Welcome to the Kill the Lion podcast. It's me, Cody Clark. We got an awesome show for you today. Trent Lenkarski is here. You know him from Joel Haver's shorts. Millions of views on these. People love Trent. I love Trent. Trent's a really funny guy. He's also got his own YouTube. He's doing great shorts on there. Really unique stuff. Really funny stuff. Can't wait to talk to him. Can't wait for you to hear me talk to him. Before we get into it, once again, if you like the show, support us. $2 per month. KillTheLionFilms.com. You're not just supporting the show, you're supporting the studio as well. And now, Trent Linkarski. All right, Trent, nice to talk to you. Yeah, good to hear from you. So, people have been adoring your work in Joel Haver's shorts. You have been viewed by millions of people. You're, you're beloved by millions of people. Did you have any background in doing comedy or any performance before the Joel Haver shorts? Not really. Yeah, it's pretty much just been with Joel that I've really started getting into comedy and actually like performing for people, I guess. And uh, what are your comedy tastes? What are your uh, what's the stuff you like as far as comedy, you know, growing up or or stuff you like now? It's a little bit all over the place. I don't really have like one specific niche that I enjoy. But I, I do like a, a bunch of different things. Uh, I have this one like really specific memory of being like in middle school. And I used to have like the Pandora radio app. I would stay up until like two or three in the morning, like listening to the like stand up comedy station on there. So just like random skits from like stand up comedians and stuff. So I feel, I feel like maybe I absorbed some of that stuff. And I think just in general, just everyday interactions and stuff. Yeah, the everyday interaction stuff, it seems like that's something you bond with Joel on comedically, mining that that sort of humor from the mundane, so to speak. Is that something that you notice around town? Do you live in a, a small town? Do you do you like pick up on those like weird little uh interactions? Yeah, definitely. Um I live in a, the same same town as Joel, uh Belchertown, Massachusetts. <laughs> Pretty small town. Um being from a small town, I think you you notice certain like little things that other people might not notice. And I think you can just kind of take those and run with them and make them like really funny or just taking something very mundane and adding like one little twist to it can make it like really funny, I think. Yeah, I, I grew up going up to uh, Massachusetts, usually in the summertime to visit my grandparents in Cape Cod. And uh, I remember, you know, reading the Cape Cod little like local newspapers and stuff and just the you know, being amused and and my parents kind of being amused by the uh, the quaint kind of like humor of just strange little stories that would be stories in a, in a small town paper and all that, and not laughing at it per se, laughing kind of with it because I think I think quaint small town stuff kind of knows it's that as well. There's kind of an awareness there that maybe gets overlooked, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I totally, I totally feel that. Yeah. You have like these certain like things that everyone kind of knows about, like, I don't know, like certain like locations or stores or whatever. And you just know like random facts about it or, or whatever. Have you been to Cape Cod much? A little bit. I, I haven't been in a couple of years, but I, I, I used to go a couple of times when I was a kid as well. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's somewhere that's, that's very dear to me and fond to me. And, uh, you know, a lot of good beaches, a lot of good ponds to swim in, which is funny because, like, you'll mention ponds, and to the uninitiated, people will be like, oh, it's probably like pond scum and stuff. And it's like, no, it's like beautiful. It's, 
you know, it, it's much better than some lakes, you know, there's, there's ponds that like the water is like super duper clear and it's just great swimming. And, uh, yeah, it's just, I don't know, people, I feel like the, the term pond scum just like ruined ponds for a lot of people. It's like the one term people know associated with ponds. I don't know. I think, I think that that kind of ruined it. Are you against the term, uh, pond scum and the, uh, the effect it's had on how people view ponds. I never really thought about it until now, but I think I'm a pretty, pretty staunch anti pond scum person now. <laughs> well, I'm glad to bring you aboard. You know, this is a crusade that I've, I've taken up as of about 30 seconds ago, but I feel strongly about it, even though I haven't really thought about it until just now. Me too. Definitely. <laughs> so comedic stuff, you, you mentioned listening to Pandora. When I listen to your little audio kind of theater of the mind, which I th- I think I can term it that, do you, would you would you call it that? Where basically you're you want to conjure up visuals in the uh, the listener's head? Yeah, I didn't really think of the specific name for it, but I think I think that's it exactly. Yeah, it brings to mind um, some of the old like Adam Sandler skits he would have on some of his albums. Like there was a, have, do you remember um, any of those? Do you, do you remember like there was like a one where he's like a goat that like some random guys are just like talking to There's They're just like these great little pieces. Did you ever listen to those? I actually just talked to Joel about this recently and we were talking about those. And the, the only one that I really remember is the one where it's like, he's like going to the bathroom and it's just like excessively long <laughs> yeah 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 i do remember that one i don't really remember the other ones as well but i would say definitely check out the goat one i think it's a uh, pretty similar to the stuff you do and it in a in a awesome way where it's just like i feel like in comedy it's just great to see when like somebody else is on your same wavelength i think that's part of why you and joel's stuff works together so well is you just there's just a a real connection there it becomes like you're finishing each other's sentences almost comedically because a lot of your stuff is is fully improvised i i believe right absolutely yeah we never write anything down <laughs> was that kind of your way in was it this thing where like maybe you would have thought like oh if i want to do comedy i got to write and writing might be a slog and it's like well now you're doing improv and you're writing on the spot it it just kind of flows out of you it's weird cuz it's like i I kind of am like a strong writer. Like I, I did really well in like high school English classes. And then in college, I took a couple English classes that I did well in, but I, I don't know if that just translates well to just from brain to mouth out, like just having like knowing the words and how to use them sometimes. I don't know. And I, I feel like a lot of the, the improv stuff, it just, it does come from that bouncing off of someone else. And that's something that Joel and I do really well, I think. Yeah, the way that I see writing and, and my approach to writing as well, because I, I have a bit of a writing background too, is I I see myself almost as a vessel. You know, I'm just hearing the words and I'm I'm putting them down on paper, kind of like if I were a court stenographer. You know, I consider myself kind of a, a stenographer for the muse, so to speak, where I'm just there to, you know, put it down on paper. I'm not there to even know what I'm saying or what's being said through me at the time. I'm just there to put it down. And then, you know, no judgment as it's coming out. You know, the hand is kind of quicker than the mind and I'm just putting it down there. And then there you go. And that's that's been my approach to to uh, to writing, which I fully understand is probably, you know, 
training wheels and 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 muscle work for for improv as well because it's it's much the same thing do you feel like it's just kind of coming through you when you're improvising yeah yeah i I think i think it does just kind of like flow through you like 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 you said yeah i think another part of it is like i don't know it's kind of like a gross visual but i think of it like ideas like fermenting almost like some ideas like i'll get like for like an audio skill, like I'll get them in the shower and then I'll, I'll write them down. And then like, I won't think about it for like a day or two. And then I'll finally like sit down and reread what I wrote. And then I'm like, Oh, that's, that's perfect. And then I sit down and then I improvise it. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good approach. So your, your pieces that you do by yourself are, they kind of verge between drama and comedy. They kind of ride this great line where you're, you don't know when the joke is coming or if there's necessarily a joke coming and they, they they have like a calmness to them as well. When you sit down and do one of these pieces, because I, I assume these are improvised as well, right? Most of them, yeah. There, there are a few that I have actually like, I do actually like write out a script for just because there's like certain wording I want to make sure I get. So when you sit down to do one, um, is it just where you just bang it out kind of in one go? Do you do retakes? What What's your approach there? It's honestly a little bit of both because... There are some where I sit down and I like I get it in one go and I'm like, holy crap, that's it. That's perfect. And I'll just re-record like one or two words or a couple lines and throw those in. But there are some where I do do like a full like retake of the whole thing or I add a whole different part at the end and then throw that in where it belongs. A little bit of both, I think. They have this great kind of meditative quality to them where you're just kind of staring at an image and that's kind of your prompt and everything that else happens in your mind as you're listening you know is coming from the words and you feel like you're being sort of guided almost through like a a comedic guided meditation it's a really cool thing that you've you've settled upon as as your kind of youtube contribution and it's been great to see that people are receptive to it as well they're not like Hey, why aren't you doing more like, you know, cartoons or whatever? They're just, they're going along with you on the ride. Uh, they have a lot of respect for what you're doing. It's, it's really awesome to see that happening on YouTube for you. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. I do plan on having more visuals later on. Like one, one thing I do, I do a lot of like hiking and stuff. So like I plan on going on like hikes and getting like longer shots of certain nice scenery or like trees moving or something and then adding those into it. I just haven't really had the time to get into that yet, but that is something I do want to do at some point. So the listeners, they can look forward to maybe two images, maybe three images at one point, you know. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to overwhelm people. Yeah, eventually <laughs> we'll get to 24 images per second, but you know, it's going to it's going to be a bit of a a journey to get there beforehand. So do the do the outdoors mean a lot to you? Uh it seems like you you like hiking you like uh trees you like nature you like all that is that a is that a big important thing for you definitely yeah because because i grew up here like in this area my whole life pretty much uh, and then i i lived down in connecticut for about five years i lived in like like west haven and new haven and uh, bridgeport connecticut and then once all the covid stuff all, once all that started i ended up moving back up to massachusetts with my parents and um one thing that really has gotten me through like a lot of tough times and everything has been getting outside and going hiking, going on bike rides and stuff. I think, I think that's really important. I think nature's awesome. <laughs> it certainly is. Where, where do you find the humor in nature? Because there, there definitely is humor in nature. You know, I'll be watching like an old, like David Attenborough, like 
thing about like animals or insects and stuff. And there is stuff to find humorous. Do you find humor out there in the woods? Yeah, I I think so. I did have an I do have an idea written down for a skit. I don't a little bit of an inside scoop, but uh, I think sometimes the people you interact with are are really interesting on hikes and stuff. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, obviously, you know you can encounter man-made things out there too i know you guys you found a a kind of like broken demolished burnt house or something i don't know if this was something you knew of ahead of time and maybe you went to it or you know you just kind of happened upon it tell me about this this house that you encountered which you did a a short film based off of which has gotten over a million views people really love that one as far as the live action stuff it it taps into something as far as like what people can relate to, but it's also making use of completely free production values that like if Hollywood was going to do that skit, they would need to build a house, demolish it. It would be this whole ordeal, but you guys just kind of happened upon this location. What was this location that you, uh, that you found? So that Joel actually knew about it first. It's, um, it's like at the end of a, a dead end road that he used to live on. And then we were just exploring it like a couple months ago. I don't know if he knew about it beforehand, but we were like exploring there a couple months ago and we we actually found like these two like destroyed houses. And then eventually, like whenever that was, like a few weeks ago, when we made that video, we we're like, hey, why don't we like try and think of something to do there? <laughs> and we just kind of came up with that, like treating a very like awkward conversation in this really extreme location. <laughs> Yeah, it's an extreme location that I think a lot of people can relate to just metaphorically, just this feeling of just uh, ignoring something that's just completely obviously going wrong, kind of like, you know, that meme with like the dog where like the house is on fire and he's like, this is fine. It's just like you guys, you guys tapped into something there that's that's connecting with people, resonating people, resonating with people, especially, you know, with the pandemic and everything that's going on and you know, people getting their lives together and figuring it out and just trying to navigate it. That kind of humor where you're tapping into something emotional as well for people. It, it's its what people need right now. I think people need to feel like, you know, they're not alone with this. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think of it like that. We really didn't expect that one to do that well. Like, it's, <laughs> it's really, like, strange, I guess. I don't know. Has it been kind of a constant surprise, this process of, you know, putting stuff out there and and a lot of it's taken off like like crazy. Some of these these cartoons that you guys do together, they get five million hits almost, you know. Has it been just a total surprise? Do you feel like when you finish one of these things, like, oh man, this is gonna be the one? Like what's what's the uh feeling there? What's the reaction there as as you've been seeing these connect with people so deeply? It's really strange. I don't know. Like it's it's weird to think about. Like I was just I was just talking to Joel about this the other day or I, I saw some post on like Instagram and it was this artist talking about like getting like 30 likes on something doesn't seem like a lot, but if 30 people walked in the room, I'd be really overwhelmed. And that's kind of how I feel where it's like millions of people and I would never really expect to encounter millions of people. So it's 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 a very extreme feeling and I, I don't really know how to process it honestly it's amazing you know you're just starting out you've you've reached millions of people this is it's every comedian's kind of dream slash nightmare because it's like how do you live up to this but you are living up to this because you're doing what people 
want from you. You're doing, you're churning out great material. People love Trent. I, I see people in the comments, they'll be like, oh, he sounds like John Benjamin, or oh, his vibe is this, or oh, this, that, and the other. But in truth, you're you're very distinctly you. You know, I, I love John Benjamin. I love a lot of different, you know, more dry comedians or or whatever, but you are distinctly you. And I think that's that's part of the success there. I think people crave a certain authenticity. You know, as we're talking right now, you're not you're not doing a bit. You're not you're not some British guy that just has this American character he's figured out. This is your energy and people crave that people love that and if you're ever going to be famous for something in this world i think it's damn good that you're famous for your own energy you're not having to put on this rock star persona to be beloved by people or or any other persona you're just being trent and people love that oh man thanks <laughs> i think that's part of why it feels really strange to me because it's like I don't want to say I'm not doing anything, but I I feel like I'm not doing anything like, like extraordinary. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Well, maybe extraordinary isn't, isn't always needed. Maybe, uh, you know, people just need something real kind of like encountering somebody in the woods and just having a, a nice conversation or just some, some interesting interaction. You know, it might be a pandemic thing too. It might be where people are realizing what they truly miss in, in life and in, in the, outside world these little interactions whether it's happening in a you know a supermarket kind of like your recent one that you did with Joel Haver which was great people maybe miss these interactions and you're somebody who can deliver them comedically with a bit of authenticity there so what what's the um interactions been like for you are you getting lots of direct messages are you getting a lot of comments do you do you have the opportunity to respond to some yeah i, I get a, a few comments on the on the videos or uh, like on my my audio things um all like really nice comments just like saying that they enjoyed it and everything and I, I really like those i try to respond to as many as i can have you been seeing the people getting like tattoos in your honor there was a uh there was a marshall tattoo or there was a uh a tattoo of uh, your character in that as well that somebody was considering getting. I think they got like a temporary one that they were then going to have somebody trace over or whatever. They're kind of figuring out the placement on their body. But it, it's quite possible that in the near future you will be on somebody's body, it looks like. Somebody's you know, at least considering it, you know? That's pretty wild, yeah. <laughs> I, I did see the, the tattoo of the old man on uh, Joel's subreddit. I saw that one, yeah. Yeah, there seems to be a Marshall one as well, which is which is amazing. Which you know, it's just you know, to anybody that's uninitiated, it's just a rat on somebody's arm. But to to the person who got it, it's Marshall. Damn it! Yeah, very true. That's it's so cool to think about that because it's just because like everything we do is improvised. So that's just some random character we came up with with a random name we came up with, and it's just on someone's body now. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's high praise for improvisation for sure. That it can become a lasting character. I think it's very encouraging for for a lot of people starting out too. I was talking in in the previous podcast uh, with uh, this guy Nathan Cash. He's a, he's an actor. He's a producer. I was talking to him about the concept of like small pond versus big pond. Not to bring it back to ponds, but apparently I'm obsessed with ponds lately. I don't know why, but um. 
the idea that like what we're doing, okay, the what we're like the small pond and studio system, Hollywood, that's all the big big pond and we're, you know, big fish in a small pond and it's better than being a small fish in a large pond, but what I'm realizing now, and I think a lot of people are realizing, is the small pond is way bigger than anybody realized. I mean, you can connect to people deeply and across the entire world, and you're you're as important to them as, as anything else they're seeing that's mainstream that they're connecting with, maybe even more important to them because it's coming from an authentic place. So this idea that like we're big fish in a small pond is kind of dead because of the internet and because of YouTube. It's it's this obsolete mentality that we still kind of carry with us in in some odd way. But like the people that connect with your stuff, they don't care that it's coming from YouTube versus coming from Comedy Central or Cartoon Network. They just care that it exists. They're just happy that it's something that they can make a part of their comedic lexicon and and something that they carry with them throughout their life. So they don't care about the source. They're not like, well, I only like studio stuff or I only like Hollywood productions. Nobody's that way. They just want something good. And it's it's just so great that your stuff is hit because it's just underscored that even more for a lot of people. And I think, as you see with people wanting to make their own absinthe animations or do their own skits uh, that have been inspired by you guys' success... You know, I, I love that people are realizing that you can do a lot even just from your bedroom or from your small town or whatever. If it's authentic and it just it works on some level, it just connects with people. You know, it, the the whole small pond mentality, it's just dead, I feel. Yeah, I, I completely agree. For, for my audio skits, all I do is I take a picture with my phone and I have a microphone and that's it. <laughs> And you're able to just make something. One th- one thing that I, I think is important too is like you're just allowed to be creative. It, it feels it feels strange saying that, but it's like nobody really told me that. Like you're just you're just allowed to do this. You're just allowed to record yourself doing something or making a video. It's like you don't need like a specific set of like criteria to do it. You can just do it. Or it can just be like drawing or playing a song or whatever. I think that's something important to remember. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think far too many people go through this life thinking they have to wait around to be let make a movie or let do comedy in some way. That there's some gatekeepers that are just constantly looking for like, all right, who are we going to let do it next? And it's it's really, it's just not true. There aren't those people. And if there are, they're asleep at the wheel you know, 99% of the time. So you can go your whole life waiting for that opportunity to be given to you, or you can create your own opportunities yourself, and you can just, you know, make your own really interesting stuff at home or wherever you are with friends, etc. Now, you know, you kind of realized that recently. Was that because of seeing some of Joel's stuff and being like, "Hey, I want to be a part of this"? How did you? How did you get into doing stuff with Joel? I know you guys knew each other kind of growing up a little bit, but. Um, what changed such that you started creating together? Honestly, I think just coincidence. Like we just we just both happened to be back in our hometown at like the same time. He always, you know, he does like the weekly shorts. He was doing them when he lived in New York and everything. And he's just like, he wanted to keep that up. And he's like, oh, Trent's here. Let me reach out to him. I think just kind of like that. And that's how it started. Well, that's great. I mean, it's it's 
you know, it's coincidence and it's also destiny because it's it, obviously it was so successful. It's just anything good that can come out of, you know, a lot of people are moving back home. A lot of people are are figuring out what their next couple years are going to be. And there's a lot of, you know, making lemons out of lemonade here. Joel, obviously, I mean, he's discussed this. He went through certain personal tragedies, experiencing loss, etc. You know, I've gone through my own personal tragedies. I've had loss as well. And I made the lion's share of my feature films, my work after that. And if you had asked me when that happened, I would have thought, well, I'm kind of done. You know, I why make stuff if my mom can't see it? You know, why why even create? Because she was she was such a a great mom and a great friend, etc. But you know, fast forward, most of my creations happened after her passing. And, you know, for anyone listening, you can build something great still. You can keep creating even in tragedy, whether it's personal tragedy, whether it's, you know, the pandemic weighing down upon you. You and Joel are kind of this success story of you guys are thrust together in this weird way and you guys create something awesome and it connects with a lot of different people. So I think it's there's something encouraging there for people as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had a similar thing like from like April until like probably June, like those two or three month spans were probably like of of 2020. That was probably like one of the worst times of my life. <laughs> like I, I just went through a breakup. My grandmother passed away. I had to move back home. My my job at the time was extremely stressful. And it was just like horrible. But then like right after that is like when Joel came back and it just happened that we started doing stuff. And I don't know, it just like that started to make me happy, like making stuff and laughing with my friend and everything. And from there, it just kind of exploded. And I, my life's getting pretty good, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And as things open up, is this kind of the thing where you might want to start doing stand-up if that's a possibility or do you know live performances of, of of a sort maybe improv maybe whatever um is that something you're drawn to or do you mostly want to do filmed stuff where you kind of uh record yourself talking or, or record yourself as far as a skit or whatever what what are you drawn to comedically i probably do more the second thing so like like what i'm doing now i i have kind of tossed around the idea of doing some kind of like podcast whether it be like more comedy based or or like relaxing based um i think that that is kind of what's next for for me like on solo projects i think we're gonna see like this next kind of wave of like people coming up and wanting to do comedy you know usually there's these usually it's it's measured in waves of stand-up comedy so like there are stand-up booms and then there's stand-up busts so to speak where like it's kind of dead for a couple years and it's kind of this big thing for a couple of years. Same with improv, same with the, uh, and when I say improv, I mean like live performance improv. You know, people usually measure comedy in that, on those terms, but I think because of technology and because of cameras being so inexpensive and so great and because of YouTube, you know, YouTube for a while, it was just about like content. It was about like vlogs and this, that, and the other. And that's that's great on its own. It's It's its own thing. But I think we're going to start measuring comedy and uh, comedy booms as far as, uh, you know, recorded skits, recorded sketches, recorded audio, things of that nature. I think that's going to be more what we judge 
uh, times comedically based on because I I talk to a lot of people and and I don't see a lot of the pull towards live stand up, live improv. It's just not something that people want to do, and I don't blame them because what you can do with a phone, what you can do with a camera. It's just like you can you can have that show that you would have been trying to have by becoming a big stand-up, you know? It used to be if you if you wanted a sitcom or if you wanted a sketch show, you had to prove yourself comedically, you know, on stages across the country. You had to put your blood, sweat, and tears in it that way. Now you can, you know, have a show just by having a YouTube account, you know, and, and nobody's giving you the show. You're giving yourself the show. You're setting the parameters for yourself pretty much it's a really different world man absolutely yeah and kind of going back to what you said before it's like that kind of imaginary gatekeeper there isn't really one you can just do whatever <laughs> you can just create stuff so a lot of these animations they they draw from fantasy they draw from uh, video games is it are those worlds that you're interested in is that just like coincidence uh are you are you a gamer are you somebody who's interested in rpgs or fantasy or whatever yeah definitely um i like at the time we did the rpg one i i actually just started playing uh, oblivion for the first time <laughs> a couple of years late but uh i played oblivion and I, I i just got into skyrim again and playing some of those fantasy games uh i've always been a big science fiction guy uh i used to always love the star wars movies I'm big on the Star Wars movies as well. I'm I'm one of the rare people that actually likes the prequels a lot. Are you one of those? Oh, uh, kind of. You can say no. You can say no. <laughs> episode 3 is my favorite. It's fantastic. I love Episode 3. I feel like that's the one where it all came together, where like what he was trying to do, he really landed and he really nailed with Episode 3 as far as the prequels. And then I feel like... He kind of also did stuff he always wanted to do with four, five, and six, and three as well. I think it was just this melding of the worlds where, like, I was not a huge fan of the prequels until after I saw episode three. And then I was like, oh my God, I actually get what he's going for. And then it made me kind of revisit episode one and episode two and and see uh, what he was trying to do there. It was just this movie that just brought it all home. It, it, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. It works really well as a good like bridge between those the two series. I don't know. I, I, something about episode three, I just really like. Uh, I think it, it might just be the memory because I, I remember seeing that one like in the theater when it came out and everything. And like being a kid, I just remember watching that one the most. A lot of the like scenes and stuff stuck with me. Yeah, that was. I would say episode three was my best Star Wars experience in the theater. I I had no expectations whatsoever. And I sat down to that one and I just, it just worked. It just really, really worked. And he, he brought it all home. And I, you know, it was one of those hats off to him kind of moments where it's like, man, he, he really, he really nailed the ending. You know, he, he, he nailed the, you know, trick that he was trying to pull off. It felt like the prequels were, it was this like very complicated, like skateboard trick where like the, the board is just spinning and you're like, there's no way this, this board is going to land like on all four wheels. This is going to be disaster. You know, we're watching this in slow motion over years of just this skateboarder, just like he's going to eat it. He's going to eat it. And then right at the very end, he just lands it and it's perfect. And everybody just goes crazy. I think of that one, there's like this one video of this person like shoveling and they're like slipping and it's like 
it's like 40 seconds of this person just struggling to get their balance. I think at the end they fall, but it's kind of like the opposite of that, I guess. I know the video you're talking about. It's a great video. I don't know where it is, but I have seen it. And anybody listening should try and find that shoveling video. It's just, there's something about seeing something drawn out that much where it's just like, oh man, it's irresistible to me. Anything that happens like that, I, I, you know what I get hooked on to? I'm a big pro wrestling guy. I like, I like all that, you know, fun stuff. And there's these, there's these gifts where it's like, you know, in like ladder matches where they have to like climb the ladder and get the, you know, belt that's like hung up in the air. I don't know if you're a pro wrestling guy. Are you? Are you not? I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really into it, but I do. I did when I was a kid. I would play. Um, one of my friends had like a like a WWE video game, and I remember playing a lot of that. And I do, I do remember they'd have you have to like get a briefcase or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the ones that I love, there's these gifts on the internet where whether it's a chair, whether it's a ladder, it'll just behave in this way in real life. These aren't like gifts from the video game or whatever. It'll be this thing where like somebody like knocks into a ladder and it just very slowly drops and then it like lands on the top rope and then it bounces from the top rope and then it lands on the middle rope and then it bounces from the middle rope and then it lands on like the the bottom rope and it bounces on the bottom rope and it just finally like thuds onto the Matt and it's just this like random occurrence there's another great one where like a guy throws a chair into the ring just expecting it to just you know flop onto the ring and then it just opens perfectly and it's just sitting perfectly I just I get obsessed with these weird like wrestling like matrix kind of like breaking the simulation moments where just things just behave perfectly in this uh orchestrated choreographed way that was not intended whatsoever yeah that's really funny (laughs) i want want to find that chair one that sounds funny yeah i'll definitely dig it up and i'll send you a couple of those afterwards so what do we have coming up do a lot of people love these audio drama comedy things are we going to get a bunch of more of those uh what's what's on the the front burner so to speak what are you cooking (laughs) lots of stuff lots of stuff in the oven the the audio skits i'm still going to keep doing those weekly I also have a couple animations in the work with my friend Alice. She did the um, the stop motion for the video pockets. We have like a, a 2D animation in the works right now. It won't be done for like a, a few months at least, but I'm really excited about that one. Uh, another, I have another uh, collab in the works right now with Dean Soups. I did another video with him a little while ago. Yeah. Have you been uh, reached out to by, you know, big name studios, things of that nature being like, hey, we want your voice on this new cartoon or anything like as any of that stuff happened? Nope, not, not yet. See, that's just that just pisses me off because, you know, I, I don't necessarily want you to say yes, because I don't want you to become entrenched in like the studio system and get like chewed up and spat out and all that crap and it wastes your your time and energy in some way, but I want the offers to be there. You know, I want them to exist because, you know, they're clearly you're connecting to people and clearly people want your voice and people, people want to see you. I always see like the, and they mean well, as, as Joel always points out, they mean well, but I always see the comments where people are like, this should be the new comedy central show, or this should be the new adult swim show or whatever. And it, it they mean well, but man, 99 times out of 100 it just becomes a disaster for people you know working within the studio system you know it's very rarely 
a positive freeing experience. If you want a positive freeing experience, you just kind of have to do your own stuff. But I would like the offers to be there for you. You deserve them for sure. Thank you. That, that would definitely be really cool. Are there voice actors that you really dig, by the way? Are there, because, um, you, you know, you have a very distinct voice and, you know, you use it well. It's your instrument and you play it. And uh, what kind of uh, actors or performers uh, do you key into that you really appreciate? I think a lot of my inspiration comes from like two main like podcasts and audio things I listen to. One is uh, Welcome to Night Vale. It's a pretty popular podcast. Um, Cecil Baldwin, he has like a really unique and distinct voice and I really love it. And I love that show and the whole kind of Twilight Zone feeling of that. And I feel like I'm, I try to work some of that into my skits a little bit, but not not too much though. But he's definitely a really big inspiration of mine. And then also another one that I've been listening to a lot lately that he, he's also really inspired me is the minute hour on, on YouTube and I think on Spotify too. And he, he does very similar stuff like audio skits and he's got like an absolutely beautiful voice. I love, I love his voice so much. That's awesome. I got to check those out. Those are, uh, those are new names for me and, and I got to check those out for sure. Well, Trent, you know, if you've heard the episodes that I've done on this podcast before, you know that we close out this show with a little thing I call stupid questions. Are you ready for some stupid questions to close out this episode? Oh boy. Yes. <laughs> people get so giddy about it. I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad that people like people really look forward to the stupid questions. I'll have people on and like, once I start bringing up the stupid questions, there's just a glint in their eye where they're like, Oh yes, this is what I wanted all along. This is what I signed up for. This is why I slogged through 45 minutes of just serious, uh, in-depth talk. I just wanted to get to the stupid questions. First stupid question. Your name is Trent, right? You remember, did you ever watch Daria as a kid? I did not. Well, Trent was the hot guy. And so Trent became this kind of like hot guy name in like the late 90s. I don't know how old you are, sir. How old are you? Uh, I'm 23. So you were, you got totally aged out of uh, tapping into the fact that 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 was the hot guy name. If you were my age, I'm, I'm 33. If you were my age, you would have been cleaning up, sir. You would have been doing extremely well for yourself because you were named Trent, and Trent was the cool, hot guy, soft-spoken kind of like guy, kind of like you in, in a certain regard with uh, the command over his voice and whatnot. You would have you would have tapped into so much. Are you are you sad about that? No, it's it's all right. Okay, there is that did remind me. There is a character called Trent on um, the show from a couple of years ago, Total Drama Island, and I think kind of a similar character, like this kind of. Maybe not shy, but like semi outgoing. And I think he plays guitar on the show, but. Well, that sounds like my Trent. That sounds like they ripped off the, the Daria Trent. He's a guitar player as well. Maybe it's a reference. I don't know. I don't know the show you refer to. You're, you're one of those kids who brings up things and I'm like, I feel old now. It hurts too, because like you have a beard and, you know, we could be the same age, like theoretically, you know, like in a movie, you know, nobody would bat an eye if we were like peers or whatever. But then you'll bring up some stuff and I'll just be like, man, I do not know what this kid is talking about. If, if this man with a beard is bringing up stuff that's like a generation past me, how old am I? You know, it, it causes a lot of crisis for me, sir. I'm sorry. You're causing me pain, brother. <laughs> All right. Next stupid question. All right. Your, your last name, Lenkarski, right? Mm -hmm. 
It ends in S-K-I, right? Yes. Do you ever ski, sir? No. Never? With the name Lenkarski, you never picked up the skis ever once? Nope. Nothing. Are you drawn to the slopes? I mean, I'd like to at some time go skiing, but I haven't yet. I've never, I've never skied as well. I uh, never had the opportunity. I've never even been in like one of those cabins. I'm mostly, if I'm, if I'm going to go somewhere like that, I'm excited for the little thing you ride up to the top of the mountain where you like sit on the thing and it just kind of brings you up there. Yeah. I've, I've never been on one of those either. That see, isn't, doesn't that seem exciting? That thing? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's like, that's the ride, you know? If I'm going up there, I'm just going up on that and then I'm going back down it. If you can go back down, I don't know if it goes both ways. I think it probably is like a one-way thing where like you have to hop off it and then you have to ski down. That seems like a slog. It should it, it should be like a two-way thing. If I was like, if I'm going to be the Kramer of this like episode or whatever, I would invent a one of those, I don't even know what they're called, man. One of the ski things that you ride up. Do you know the name? I think it's a ski lift. Yeah, ski lift. I did know it. I just forgot. Okay. Two-way ski lift. That's my that's my Kramer invention idea of this episode. I I think they they do do that. They do. Ah, man. I think they're like sideways treadmills that go up kind of. So like it goes around at the top and around at the bottom. Mm. Could be. I'm sure somebody's going to write in or uh let us know. You know, nobody's written in so far, by the way. I I haven't, I haven't gotten any I've gotten comments, but nobody's like no letters in the mail not that anybody has my address i hope but uh no letters no emails nothing like that but people listen people listen to the show but uh you know hopefully hopefully that has been invented because i would like to be on that i would like to go both ways sir i would like to go up the mountain and i would like to go back down the mountain the way i came yeah all right so no no skiing all right, L- let me think of one last stupid question because I feel like some people think I, I get a little cheap here by using names. It's just a really easy way for me to get into stupid questions. But uh, I know people want me to expand my horizons as a, uh, as, as a stupid question asker. So let me think of another stupid question. I, I've, I asked Joel this and it teeters on not stupid. It, it teeters on a legitimate question. Have you been recognized in the street by strangers? I have not. That could be that could be just the small town thing. It could be, you know, everybody's indoors cuz the pandemic or whatever. But uh I think that's cool because that means that somebody out there in this world will get to have that first experience of yours, you know? That's still up for grabs. If you're listening at home, you could be that guy. You know, you could you could stop Trent on the street and embarrass him in front of the public and be like oh my god sir and like do like the wayne's world like we're not worthy kind of thing somebody can have that experience that's still up for grabs yeah i want it to happen i think it'd be cool i think it'd be cool too i i hope that when it happens it's the guy who has the you know marshall tattoo or it's the the one who has you on their arm or whatever that'd be really cool i have a stupid question Oh, this would be great. I, I've i never been asked a stupid question during stupid question section, and I've been waiting probably patiently in my in the back of my mind for that to happen. Please give me a stupid question. All right. Uh, what's the last thing that you cooked that you burnt? Oh, that's a good one. Cause I'm, and it's a good one because I'm really good at cooking. So you know what? It was, it was bread, and I burnt the bread because toaster ovens are finicky, man. And if you count toasting bread as cooking, which I think it can be, I think it can count as that, 
it's so funny. Some days, you know, you you have it set perfectly and it, it works right. And then the next day it's the same setting and it just burns the crap out of it. I had this really good, it was called like country bread. And I got it at the store because it was called country bread. And I was like, you know what? I want some country bread. And I, I just like when things are called like specific things like that, you know. And I, I live in the city. So, you know, I don't want to get city bread. Who, who wants that? It's probably got like pigeons on it or something dried up like bits of bubble gum like from the, the the curb or whatever nobody wants city bread i want country bread so i i bought the country bread and it, it's a little on the thin side it's delicious bread and i think because it was just a little bit too thin it, it just in damn near incinerated man it was just it completely blackened it was like it was like it came from hell that was the last thing i burned how about you sir do you, you burn anything recently Oddly similar to today, actually at lunch, I had a grilled cheese and I put it on the burner for just a little too long and it was <laughs> very burned. It's a thin line with the grilled, grilled cheese, man. It Delicious and too burnt is like this very razor thin thing with grilled cheese. It's, it's kind of a hard thing to make perfectly. Yeah. My remedy for it was I turned it into a kind of a pseudo Monte Cristo sandwich because I put a little maple syrup on the side okay. <laughs> to counteract the burnt. <laughs> That's a good tactic. Me and Chloe, my girlfriend Chloe, we make movies together, blah, blah, blah. She's awesome. We do this thing now where we'll do like, you know, when we make like a big kind of like breakfasty meal or whatever, where we make, you know, we're vegan, so we do like fake eggs and stuff like that. But when we do that kind of combo or whatever with lots of stuff, we'll have a little dish, like a, what we call a monkey dish. That's like the diner slang term, but like a very small bowl. It, it, they call it that because it's like the kind of dish that you would give a monkey which is just the greatest term ever. I just love that that's the origin of that slang term. It's like, well, why is it called a monkey dish? And it's like, well, if you were going to feed a monkey something, sir, you would use one of them little dishes, wouldn't you? And so they're called monkey dishes. And so uh, what we'll do is we'll do a monkey dish with some maple syrup in it. It's got to be real maple syrup. I'm not talking about like log cabin, like imitation craziness. It's got to be real. Little monkey dish of maple syrup to dip the, the buttered toast in. And it's it's just so good to have, you know, just that little dish next to your plate. I, I love it. I'm I'm a big fan of toasted things with a little bit of maple syrup because it's it's like a cheating towards French toast kind of thing. Yeah, a hundred percent agree. You a big maple syrup guy? Yep, I was just gonna say because I I'm New England born and raised, so we got that good Vermont maple syrup. There's my my parents know some people in town that do the uh tree tapping i mm. forgot the name for it but <laughs> yeah i love maple syrup i grew up on maple syrup the the real stuff never the imitation i don't think i've ever even tasted the imitation honestly oh i haven't even i don't i don't let it pass my lips sir <laughs> only the good stuff for me all right well trent it was great talking to you thank you for doing the show and uh everybody if you, if you like the joel stuff with him definitely check out his channel trent's channel himself he he does these great stuff sometimes joel pops up on them as well i just like you sir i like what you're doing and uh, i hope people check it out thank you i like you too you're a very nice man thank you sir all right see you soon yep see you man thank you all for listening and again if you love the show two dollars per month killthelinefilms.com support us support what we're doing as far as the podcast and the movies we make. See you soon.